we're on because this is no more test test. Awesome. <laughs> Hi, this is Sharon, um, podcast host for Middle Finger Happiness, Work Hard, Live Well, Don't Fuck With Me. And that's the same title of my book on Amazon. Um, we have, or I have, a special guest today. I'm going to just get to it. Um, so thrilled because I met Ian last year and I've been following him and I like his rum. And welcome, Ian. Hey, thank you. Yay. So we have Ian here, who is the founder, owner of Grateful Dane Distillery. Correct. Okay. We're going to talk about how did you get started, who you are, um, you know, the a little bit about prohibition, because I remember you had a barrel last year, mm-hmm. and just, you know, welcome, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. So who are you, and what do you do? Uh, so my name's Ian Mook. I'm the founder and distiller of Grateful Dane Distilling Company. We're a small family-run distillery. Um, we started making rum in the city of Houston uh, legally in 2015. Okay, when you say legally? Uh, meaning it's, uh, if you don't have all your licenses and permits in place, it is illegal to make spirits. Um, so yes, <laughs> yes, like distilled a, spirits. That is, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, so you know, we all of our licenses in place, and that that's when we became fully legal, which makes us the very first ever wow. legal rum distillery in the city of Houston. Now, I say that because I guarantee people have been making rum, of course, in Houston yes. since uh, since you know before the prohibition. Um, but uh, as far as legally doing it, I'm the first person to get suckered into following all the rules. Oh, you're so good though, because <laughs> I, last year you had what did you have last year? It was a pop up, a grand opening? What was uh, it? So, you know, every year about this time we do our, our anniversary party. It was our three year anniversary party. Okay. Um, and then we're doing our four year anniversary party this Saturday. Let's shout that out now because yeah. that's next weekend. Yes, this weekend, the 23rd, yep. uh, this Saturday, uh, we're having a big pina colada party. We're celebrating our. Uh, our fourth year of making rum in Houston. Now, our anniversary is actually in September, but it's normally still pretty unbearably hot in September. Yes, so yeah. uh, we push it to November. The weather is actually looking pretty great. It's like a high of 60 and sunny, so I can't oh, ask for much better than that. A little chilly, but uh, but the, a couple of pina coladas will warm you right up. Is it going to be like last year? Because last year was so great. You guys had uh, barbecue. You had music. Get cigars. Yes. What else? Yeah, we've got we've uh, we had a, quite a few vendors. We had a knife maker last year. That um, was fun, yeah, 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 as well. Um, but yeah, we've got we got a few vendors this year. Um, still working on getting a food truck out there. Okay. Um, but we'll see if we can get one in time. But at the very, very least, we'll have cocktails and some vendors. And okay, uh, it'll be it'll be Music? a good time. Yeah, DJ? We'll have a DJ. Yes. Okay. Um, we'll have a DJ there for most of it. Doggy friendly. Yeah, dog friendly. Um, Fam- you know, family, we're, family we're family friendly. friendly. Yeah, you know, if the children under the age of twenty one need to be accompanied by their parent or guardian. Of course. Um, yeah. just like if you go to a bar or a restaurant <laughs> that serves alcohol. Um, but uh, yeah, we're dog friendly. Although you know, it's just a big concrete parking lot. I love um, it. I so. So we do have a tiny little grass patch up front. So if your doggy needs to go take a break, they can. But right. uh, as far as you know, dog friendly, it is. Is there's not a whole lot of soft surfaces or yard. Um, I but. had a great time. Um, and when I walked in, I didn't know what to expect. But I tell you this, I was pleased. But it was just super. The vibe there was great. And then you got a ticket. Mm-hmm. Who were the ladies that were running like the ticket thing? Because it was all family. Uh, yeah, so that's my mom and my wife. They were so yeah. sweet. And yeah. it was like oh, we have another glass, another glass. So um, you guys can't see it, but. Ian has some glasses. They're like, what are they, mugs with yeah, logo? Yeah, just a little cocktail. They're like mason jar style cocktail glasses is what we sell at our tasting room. Uh, so normally on a, on a regular Saturday, you can come by. 
Uh, we sell all of, currently all of our cocktails are five dollars. Okay. Uh, we do free tours and tastings, so okay. um, there's really no obligation to spend a single dollar. But if you want a drink, uh, we sell the glass. The glass is five dollars. It's yours to keep, and you can bring it back any Saturday. So those of y'all that have already been by the distillery, bring your glass by this Saturday, okay. and it's just five dollar pina coladas all Saturday long. Oh, okay, so. we definitely have to put that in there because uh, we have like five of your glasses. I was telling Ian prior when you first got in here. One of them's in the bathroom, and we use it for the toothpaste and toothbrush. So they're, we're, we're, we're that kind of people. We yeah. like to recycle glasses. Yeah. So very cool. Um, just real quick, I remember last year, that was Felipe Zapata's first pop-up, the knife guy, my mm-hmm. husband. And he was so excited to be there. So, yeah. Yeah. We have to bring him back out there. Yeah, he's, he's welcome with to come out. Knives. We can save him a spot. He's got some knives. All right. So how does one come up with... Okay, you told me you got your regulations, your licenses, but what was the dream or the drive? I mean, like, how did you wake up one day and say, I'm going to make rum? Uh, it definitely, uh, you know, is a lot, you know, it was with anything. When uh, Lots of different factors played into it throughout my whole life. Um, but, yeah, I'm happy to tell you my story. Yes, when you um, so yeah, where it started, I mean, your first drink, and then again, <laughs> your first drink. Yeah, it actually goes back, you know, way before that. Um, I actually got into the the whole alcohol industry at a fairly young age. Oh, wow. um, I'm born and raised a Texan. I was born in the Dallas area and grew up in Houston. Um, but for a few years in the early 90s, my, uh, my dad moved our family up to Colorado, a little town between Denver and the Rocky Mountains a town called Golden, Colorado. Uh, If if y'all have ever heard of, yeah, it's beautiful. And if you've ever heard of Coors, that's where Coors is made. Coors Coors Light, Coors Coors Banquet, uh, as well as um, back when back when I lived there, Zima had just come out. Um, Y'all remember Zima from the nineties? Still around? Uh, They actually made brought it back for like a a special thing, but I think it was just limited. See very many places. Yeah, it kind of got replaced by like Smirnoff, uh, Smirnoff Ice. Um, But uh, yeah, so. My dad moved us there, and uh, you know, they, back then the town was built around this brewery, the largest single-site brewery in the United States. Um, so even when I was at home, I could smell the brewery. Um, well, anyway, my, my dad was going to, to, to school at the time, and uh, he started working nights at the brewery. He started on the canning line and, and worked his way up through, uh, through, through the chain of growth in the business, I guess, and, and eventually became a, a brewer's assistant over his few years that he was there. So uh, I... I you know, spent a lot of time around the brewery. Right. Um, whenever we had family come to town, we'd take a tour. So I had probably been on the Coors tour 20 times by the and time I was six years back old. in the population. Yeah, it was, it was a tiny little town. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. It's completely different now. It's still an awesome place to visit, but it's just a very, it was just a bunch of, you know, like industrial blue collar cowboys right, um, right. living by the Rocky Mountains. Uh, and then now it's, it's, gentrified i guess if I, you yeah, could say so many um, breweries up there yes yeah yeah this is long before the craft brewery thing had even started uh, i think even when you know blue moon which is is now owned by coors um was, was was okay. not even really a thing back then so and that was kind of like right. one of the early craft craft beers i guess you could, could say wow. um but so I, I grew up you know around this brewery or at least for you know a very that impressionable time between the age of like three and eight years old right. um and and I kind of, and about that same time, my little brother and I's favorite movie was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh God, the original one. Yes, yeah, the, original, the only, the only one, the only as far one. as I'm concerned. I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, the yeah. Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp's a great actor, but uh, you know Gene Wilder, he's uh, uh, he's hard to beat. Um, my favorite scene is when at the very end. Well, not the end, but you lose. Yes, good day, good day sir. sir. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah. I always shed a, shed a little t- tear for Charlie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, as, as a kid, I wanted to be Charlie, you know, I wanted to have a candy factory and, uh, 
And uh, and so I essentially saw my dad as working at a candy factory. He was just making candy for adults instead of kids. <laughs> um, and just True. like, you know, the Oompa Loompas have their secretive methods of making their candy. You know, there was a lot of things that went on at the brewery that I didn't understand. I just knew they were cool. Um, and so that's kind of what in- instilled this at a, at a young age. I'm trying to say, yeah, the, the, the difference. But yeah, it is candy for adults. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so how'd you bring it to Texas? I mean, well, you- so yeah, my family moved back down to Texas and uh, eventually found myself in the Houston area. I've been in Houston since 97 okay. and uh, grew up in the school districts here. And uh, unfortunately, they don't really encourage alcohol manufacturing as a viable career path. Um, uh, can you imagine that? Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's okay. I mean, alcohol is a drug and kids, you know, kids shouldn't do drugs. But uh, um, but anyway, I... I uh, but they do. Yeah. So, yeah. So... <laughs> I, uh, I got out of high school and, and started working on cars because I knew I never wanted to have a, a desk job. I wanted, I've always been a hands-on type person. I wanted creative. to get very creative. Yeah, exactly. And I, I wanted just hands-on, like if I'm getting dirty and, and getting my hands in whatever I'm working on, that's where I feel the most accomplished. So you never had a desk job? Um, no. I mean, now I, I do some work at a desk. You know, I, mean, I have a lot of paperwork to file as a, as a distillery <laughs> owner, but, but you know, I, I don't have like a cubicle or, oh. you know, there's no desk per se. Usually I just turn our tasting room into my you office. Know, just you saying that kind of solidifies or puts a, a stamp of approval because I had the hardest time my entire life trying to fit in in a desk job. I mean, I did it because I had to pay bills. Mm-hmm. But once I decided to step out, yeah. just like you did, you find your hum. So how did you find the home to get this rum going? This like, okay, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, well, so as I was, I was working on cars and it's something I really enjoyed. You know, I, I still love cars and the, I think the mechanical, the moving parts of them. And, and just like with the factory has a lot of moving parts. Um, do you have any old vintage cars? Uh, I do. I have a 1950 Chevrolet that I inherited from my family and it needs a lot of work. So it's, it's a project for another day. Okay. Um, I rebuilt a dune buggy in my early twenties, a Volkswagen dune buggy that ah, I drove around. It was a lot I of fun. Yeah, it's, a bit, it's built on the the, yeah. the beetle chassis, the beetle, just yeah. like a Baja. Mine had the big pipe. Yes, yeah. I lived in Corpus Christi, and Perfect. so it got in the sand dunes, and it, and then I used to have to pop the clutch to start it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Lots of little tricks like that. You kind of had it. Those old cars, you had to kind of have a mechanical no mindset. I mean, no air conditioning in my car. No, yeah, yeah. That was it basically what I had built was a Baja, but instead of a, the beetle body, it had uh, just a fiberglass, you know, rooftop. Oh. It was a dune buggy. Um, but yeah, I, I love that kind of thing. And, and, uh, and, but anyway, I, I, it was, as I was working on cars, I knew ultimately I wanted to figure out a way to get back to, you know, that my ultimate dream of having a factory somehow. Um, also when I, when I was in high school, I took this class called economics uh, right. that was required. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to take it before you can graduate, uh, at least here in Houston and, um, and economics and gave me the idea, like introduced the idea of entrepreneurship. Right. Um, you know, I kind of always known that I wanted to be my own boss right. um, and, and have, you know, a factory of some sort. But uh, I didn't really understand, like, the how to make the mechanics of it. Of it. Right. And, and entrepreneurship kind of like I realized, like, OK, this is how you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that along with, you know, all of these things playing together. Um, just kind of all started started developing this idea of... of it's funny cr- you say that because the people that are listening, they're thinking, perhaps I want to be an entrepreneur. And it's like we come up with the idea mm-hmm. and then this is before Google. Yes. I mean, so you can't like Google it. Like, how do you start a rum factory? Yeah. So how did you start getting the wheels turning? So, uh, yeah, well, you know, by the time I, I was ready to, you know, start uh, thinking about opening a business, uh, Google did exist. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as distilling, there wasn't a whole lot of information out there. It was okay. still pretty much mostly books. 
There were some good online resources. Uh, now there's YouTube channels you can watch and just they'll show you exactly what you need to do. Um, so I, you know, I started researching and, and, and doing my homework and figuring out, um, you know, what I, how I was going to make this happen. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I um, re just researched online till I figured out, okay, this is, this is how I'm going to do this. I just kind of started putting together a business plan right. um, as well as, you know, figuring out how to make rum. Right. Um, or any spirit in and general. And you have different kinds of rum. You have like the dark rum and the white rum. So what's the difference? I mean, uh, caramel or uh, yes. Uh, so the, on our in our spice rum, it does have caramel. The caramel is in there. It's not really for coloring, but there is caramel in there. All of the color in our spice rum comes from spices. Just like when you make tea, um, you right. put a, a bag of tea in clear water. It turns that tea, okay. that water, flavored like tea and colored like tea. Um, so what we're doing is we're putting a giant bag of spices into our silver rum. And, and basically infusing it, or literally infusing it with our spices. So wow. uh, we'll use five all-natural spices. Uh, and this, so it's the same rum, it's just the difference is that this rum has been infused with these flavors. Okay, so I'm going to ask the dumbest question, but then no questions, a dumb question. So no. what, what is rum? I mean, give us the bare bones no. of what is rum. Uh, so what rum is, it, it, the definition of rum is a distilled spirit made from either cane sugar or molasses. Okay. Um, and typically, or historically, it was one or the other. Um, your French colonies would use an, what it's called an agricole rum, and that's a rum that's made from just the fresh-pressed cane juice. Um, you can also kind of synthesize that by taking uh, crystallized sugar and then rehydrating it with water okay. um, and make basically an agricole so rum. There's chemistry behind this. Oh, there's there's definitely a lot of chemistry behind oh, it. Yeah. I probably would have benefited from going to college, but yeah. <laughs> um, but I figured it out anyway. Okay. Um, and, and then uh, and the other style of rum is what's called rum industrial, and that was more typically found in your British colonies like the United States. So is that where um, it started? Uh, yeah, it, pretty much rum really has a lot of history on the Western Hemisphere. It really, rum and sugar uh, production was really has a lot of history. It basically, we can accredit uh, the sugar uh, industry, and, which was pushed by the rum industry right. um, to, to the whole reason, you know, this whole part of the world was colonized the way it was. Now, because of that, it has a very dark history as well. So tell us um, some of that. Like the slave trade. And, oh, of course. Um, and that's one of the, the one, uh, you know, even today's world, um, you know, there's people being taken advantage of um, and then being exploited um, for production of and harvesting of sugarcane. Um, so we want to make sure that we're using a sustainable product and sustainable starts with taking care of the people. Um, so we use domestically harvested cane sugar. It's grown in Louisiana. Okay. Um, that was my next question. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, all non-GMO, sustainably grown and harvested. Uh, and this company that I, the uh, farm that I buy my sugar from, takes good care of their employees. So and that's really important like to me. Louisiana is that the, the is it the weather there or what is it that it grows? It's the weather. Um, the Mississippi River is just you know floods the land with full of all these nutrients that it brings all the way down through the country. So it keeps the soil um, right. full of uh, nutrients and minerals that are needed to grow that sugar. Also the humidity close to sea level. Um, you know, the Caribbean is really, you know, ideal for sugarcane yeah, growth. And uh, and so, you know, the Gulf states are, are, are pretty much similar, very similar to a lot of that climate. Um, but uh, most of the land in Texas uh, and Florida where uh, sugar used to be grown is now more valuable for um, housing development. So like Sugarland, 
a city or right. a, a suburb of Houston used to be where they grew sugar, sugar. No um, but now it's you know those houses are worth more money right um, and, and so they sell and the land it's funny when you pour like I'll be going next Saturday you make that pina colada you make that drink nobody considers even I never thought of it like where did this come from and you start mentioning the dirt you know the earth mm-hmm. the rain i mean it's it's all connected yes yeah, it's, it's a very agricultural eat. item people don't really every well everything we eat things that we do eat or drink people don't realize it you know like where 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 did this come from you know where did that pe- we have peanuts you guys can't see it but where did the peanut come from so that just blew my mind just now yeah it's important to ask those questions and i think you know people are starting to ask those questions more often they're they're really caring about what they put into their body and and asking you know okay i know this isn't you know rum doesn't grow on a tree you know it has to be made (laughs) so like what is it made from you know and people are starting to actually care about that kind of thing um as opposed to a little bit of the story on the back of the label let me let me grab one here yeah that's the spiced that's the old yeah the old texas spice label we'll be uh, getting a new label for that here next year have a little bit of a story behind here or so that as far as how the spice drum came to be yeah. um well so we start off as our silver rum our, uh you know i decided when i when i started this whole business the idea of quality of the actual rum that goes into the bottle should always be first and foremost okay um if you know i feel like building a solid foundation is 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 the most important thing and by having a quality product is, is very important so last, uh, yeah well yeah. I mean well so a lot of distilleries uh, what I realized as I started learning more and more about the industry uh, I realized that the actual product that people are paying for is is a secondary thought for most of these companies uh, where they put all of their efforts is in marketing and a fancy label and commercials and ad time and stuff like that and then actual that liquid in the bottle is is a is a you're afterthought. A at it. I mean, you're, it's an art. Yes, to create yes. This product. I, that's exactly what I consider it. You know, I love like the industry. Mm-hmm. I love the the moving parts of it, the mechanics, the the entrepreneurship of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also consider this my art. Um, and so you know, the actual liquid in the bottle is is you know what I'm putting my name on, and, and I and I don't put it in a bottle unless it meets my standards. And so when you have the tours, do you people see you guys actually making it, or can people? You know, yeah, I mean, uh, so we are an operating. Uh, distillery um, I normally when I run you know our regular Saturdays I do not do operations while we have people in and out of the distillery we're right. dealing with you know uh, yeah. very flammable liquids <laughs> uh, and and potentially <laughs> flammable vapors and also you know I don't have em- employees it's all it's all me that actually makes the rum so uh, I need to be I need to be paying attention to what I'm doing um, so is this considered and that's what I love about small batch like a small batch yes brew, which is um, Nano, there's nano, mm-hmm. micro, mm-hmm. and then there's what's the other one? I forgot. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's this, all. It's all. But so is this a nano brewery kind of? I guess you could. I would say it's a nano or a micro distillery. A micro would probably be about closer to where we micro, are right now. Yeah. Um, as far as small batch goes, though, yeah, we are definitely a small batch. Uh, distillery and and probably one of the smallest batches out of that. any distilleries in Texas. People um, love small batch. Yeah, it's you know it's that's where you can really focus on quality. Exactly. Um, and once you get that down, you know then you can scale it. But it's so easy to to let those standards slip as you start to scale it. So it's very important uh, to me that I, that I grow this at a pace that I can maintain those standards. So for people that are listening here, because we're in Houston, I mean this is a podcast is listened to everywhere, but. Where can people find this rum? Or is it only Houston at this point? Uh, we're all the way all across Texas. Any any liquor store in the state of Texas can sell you a bottle of Grateful Dane rum. The okay. the 
the stipulation behind that is that we are not currently stocked in every liquor store. We're in every Total Wine in the state. We're in, you know, 10 to 12 specs across the state. We're in independent mom and pop liquor stores um, all over the place. Um, And so the way that it works is we are, we cannot sell directly to a liquor store. I cannot go into specs and say, hey, I've got this product. Would you like to buy it? They cannot legally buy it. is some old laws that they need, have not changed yet. So we are, Texas is what's called a three-tier state. And so I have to sell to a distributor, then the distributor can sell to the wholesaler. The wholesaler being, you know, Specs or Total is Wine. Is that just Texas? Or is Texas that- is one of the few three-tier states left. Uh, it is, it is, yeah. <sighs> but I mean, I, I want to be in Texas. I love tier. Texas. So, yes. okay. uh, I, you know, I'll put up with it. It's just the rules you have to play for. Um, play by so um, but anyway fortunately um, that means that you know a distributor handles all of those logistics so fortunately for me I'm uh, with a distributor called the Republic National Distribution Company Um, so all if you you have a a liquor store that you like and you visit and you don't see my product there and you want to see it there just tell them Grateful Dane is distributed by Republic National you can even say Republic they're gonna know who you're talking about because they're already making deliveries to that store Uh, all they need to do is add a couple more couple of my bottles from their warehouse that they keep in stock uh, and then deliver it there and they can make it happen so you know it's not necessarily in stock yet we're working on having it in every store in the right. state of texas but uh, i always like to say rum wasn't built in a day that's ex- <laughs> rum like rum wasn't built in a day that's exciting though because you're, you're you know people love to see the process of something like this at least i do i appreciate it and process is, is messy and so we're going to talk about if you could share any speed bump or I just say a fuck up where you're like, oh my God, I shouldn't have done this. I should have done this. And then you go, <laughs> you see his eyebrow just lifted. Saying, can you share a little story that you had to overcome and then you there was a good thing on the other end? Oh, I've, I've made so many mistakes. It's just, I, you know, I think just learning from those mistakes mm-hmm. is the most important thing you can do. I've, I've made quite a few of them. And, and you know, I, t- I, I, take, I take those as learning um, yeah, because... Lessons. You know, even the most experienced, you know, most professional businesses in the world, they make mistakes. They may not may not admit to them, but they they're made on the daily basis. And if you don't have, if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you're making mistakes, that means you're doing something. Oh, absolutely. And doing something, I would say, is you know, really all you got to do. Um, just do something. Just show up. So many people I meet that come into the studio on Saturdays and you know, for the artwork. Oh, I wish I could do this, or I wish I could do that. And I start thinking to myself, don't don't wish it. Yeah, start do it. Figuring it yeah. out, and now it's, oh my God, everything's on. Like you said, YouTube, or I mean, if there's anything you want to figure out, it's figure outable. Yeah, if that's a word, but yeah. Yeah. So tell us one of the little oops that you had. Maybe oh, started. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't prepare <laughs> any. Uh, I, I'll have to think. Um, how about uh, the bottle? Like, what bottle worked better? Oh, okay, because- so yeah, that actually that's a that's a great one. So um, on when we started our, our branding, um, you know, I. I designed this whole distillery around the rum in the bottle and so when I finally had some rum in the bottle and I was a legal rum distillery all of a sudden I need to sell this rum mm-hmm. um, so I need to figure out what the label's gonna look like um, and so you know me being a Texan I know Texans love supporting local right. uh, and so that's how the way we built our branding is you know I wanted to let people know we our product was made in Texas and made in Houston too mm-hmm. um, and so we did we created a Texas silver rum uh, that was soon followed by our Texas spice drum and then once our barrel-aged rum came out, that was called Texas Gold Rum. So it all looked very nice together. Um, and so um, I had a, a very presentable product. Now, something that I've 
slowly learned as we've started doing sales <laughs> is that you, you know people know know about my distillery now they say hey i've heard about this grateful day and distilling company and right. they're making rum so they go into total wine or they go into specs and they're gonna go hey I'm looking for Grateful Dane rum, and they'll walk right past Texas Silver and Texas Spiced, I would and they'll give up. Past and this. yeah, it, yeah. It, it you know it presents like a Texas-made product, but it doesn't. You know, people uh, we're finally starting to get a reputation of being Grateful Dane Distilling Company, and and it and mm-hmm. and it's there's there's kind of a, a a disconnect in the brand and the company, and so that would I would say that's probably one of the biggest. Uh, I w- I w- again, I don't take it as, as a whole lot of a mistake, but I take it as a learning experience. A learning experience. I, I, I call it a growing pain. Absolutely. Um, and so we uh, we rebranded. We're in the middle of a rebrand. So and the rum's the same. The bottle's the same. The same. Uh, okay, so the bottle. You know what this the, reminds me of? Those old-timey cartoons where they use a... They used to blow yeah, them. yeah. It's just it's what's it called the moonshine jug. It's just a there stock bottle. Yeah. I mean, eventually jug. we'll eventually we'll get our own custom bottle. It probably has our logo embossed in it. Um, those are very expensive, and and so yeah, this is utilitarian. I really love this bottle. It's called the moonshine jug. It's got a little handle on it. So if you've got strong fingers, you could really hold ten bottles at a time. <laughs> on each um, finger. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So Grateful Dane. Yes. Of course, we think of a dog. Yes. So that's. Who, tell us about that. So yeah, uh, I, the primary influence for the name of the distillery is we named it after our dog he was uh is that the dog's name was jaeger and he was a, a, a rescue great dane that i got when i turned when i was about 20 21 22 years old somewhere around there um i got this little great dane great dane puppy um and and uh nursed him back to health and he ended up being the best dog i had ever had in my life um, although I grew up with dogs my whole life, but this is my first dog that was my dog. Your dog. Um, Your dog. Yeah. Aww. I apologize. I'm going to tear up a little bit here because he was uh, he was my son. Um, but uh, anyway, we, he, so that was what we named the distillery after. Um, uh, you know, it's a play on words with like the, the, the band, The Grateful Dead, and I'm almost also part Danish too. So uh, it's like a triple entendre of fun. But primarily, yeah. you know, the great, the great Dane is the influence. And so that's what our new branding really reflects. It ties it all together. So Jaeger, in Jaeger's memory. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. This is beautiful. Cheers. And, and actually, to, to lighten up the mood, we actually have a new Great Dane puppy. Um, so he's just turned five months. Today's the 20th, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, today's his five-month birthday. Yeah, he's a little baby. What's his name? His name's Doss. Doss? Uh, which is Dos. Uh, um, but it also is uh, like the I'm like sorry. the operating system. I was about I was school. I was thinking about the DOS system. Yeah, well, because we have to, a cat named Linux and a cat named Steve Jobs, so so it fits Steve in with Jobs. the family. Yeah. Is he going to be there next weekend? Uh, probably not. He's because he's, he's five. He's 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 a handful. Oh, so. yeah, they're real. Yeah, like a baby. He's a yeah, kid. yeah, everything. Yeah, he, he eventually. Yeah, he'll be at the distillery more. But he right now I need. I've got a lot of work yeah, to do. Yeah, so um, he'll be at home uh, enjoying his soft bed. So these colors, now I'm looking at the, we took pictures, guys. You can't see it, but um, I love this silver rum because in the back I see, I guess, Jaeger. Is that Jaeger? Yeah, it's you know, it's just a Great Dane, in, but, uh, but yeah. It, it was... pops the back of that um, color. Thank you. And, it, and so this is, I see a huge difference in it. I love it. It's I kind of a, a blend of the, all of the... Uh, you know, it's like a, the Deadhead, the old school Great De- Grateful Dane Grateful Deadhead yeah. logo, and it's also you know a Great Dane, and then it's also because we're in Texas, it's kind of got some of that Dia de, de los Muertos thing going on. I like that. Um, so I, you know, it still still kind of says but what Texas. What pops that I like that I'm looking at the two is this is Grateful Dane. Yeah. That boom. That's what you, and you don't see it in the other one, which I can see it's gonna 
people will know where to get it. And then the top of the lid has a paw. Who yes. came up with that? That was, uh, that, that was me. You know, that's actually, uh, you know, obviously it's smaller than, a, than an actual Great Dane paw, but that's actually our first Great Dane's paw print. I took a, I took an impression of his print before uh, before oh, uh, so he passed story. away. And, and so, yeah, we, we shrunk it down so it would fit on a cork because it would just be a black, all black because it's so big. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I took that and, and used it. And so I got a stamp made. And so every stamp, every bottle is, uh, you know, because the How big do Grateful Danes get? Uh, pretty big. Our la- well, our last one was because you know he was he had a rough start when he was young. He only got to be about 125 pounds. Only. Um, <laughs> but uh, our 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 new Great Dane, his his dad was like 180 pounds. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's gonna be a little bit bigger. That's a big guy. He's five months old right now, and his he's him. 70 75 pounds. Oh, he's as big as my Lula. Lula's a Catahoula pit mix. I'm oh yeah. Ringer. She's 67 pounds. No. She's 10 years old. Yeah. Oh my god, that's the puppy is five. Yeah, he's old. only five months old. Oh my gosh, I gotta see that doggy when he comes back. Yeah. Or when you can bring him. Oh. Well, I am just blown away by the whole story of, of you know, from Coors, from living in Golden, Colorado as a kid and you know, the Willy Wonka factory and you wanted to have some type of factory and it became rum. If it wasn't rum, what other factory would you have thought of? Uh, so when I was a kid, I was literally a candy factory. Uh, when I remember I used to dream of having, you know, the, I was a big fan of banana flavor candy. Um, you know, like the, like the runts, but there's like an artificial banana flavoring. It doesn't taste like bananas, but all banana candy tastes like Laffy Taffy banana. Yes. Anyway, I loved it. And I was like, I always like, I want to have a artificial flavored banana, uh, candy factory. That's all I wanted to make. Um, (laughs) And you know that's some of the weird kid thing <laughs> to do. Um, that and then you know uh, it was a, a brewery um, back when I was you know started playing around with this idea um, in my early twenties. Craft brewing was really just getting a lot of momentum, um, and now it's just exploded. Um, and it's kind of you know I mean I'm sure there's there's going to be lots of great breweries opening you know for for the foreseeable future, but um, the there's a lot more competition. How, does um, this, how do you see your rum distillery growing? I think that was a question we talked about yeah. before the mics came on. But what do you see coming, forthcoming? So I've got you know I've got a lot of things planned for the distillery. Um, you know, so I just want to continue growing it. That you know I want to as long I want to grow it at a rate that I can always focus on quality. Um, so if there's a point where in order for me to take that next step, that I have to start cutting corners. I'm not going to take the next step until I can figure out a way to do it without cutting corners. Um, so that, that, you know, ultimately it does limit my growth, uh, and it slows down the, the growth of the business, but that's not why I'm doing it. I'm not growing, you know, growing this to become a millionaire or, or make the biggest rum to still. I'm doing this because this is a craft. This is something that I like to go in and and do every day with my life. Um, so maintaining that's that standards is so important project because it's more than a passion project but just by you telling me about jaeger and then the design and then you've got the what, what was the jug what's this jug? the moonshine, the moonshine jug. Yeah. jug i mean and just you've put a lot into it and it's just like this i i would see it as a piece of art and it just gave me i'm more appreciative for now looking at the bottle and of oh just pick up some rum you know you're yeah. like no what what was what's in here yeah you know you talk about the dirt and the rain Louisiana, the mm-hmm. sugar cane. It's like people don't realize all you know what kind of water goes in there. What kind of I mean, the, there's a lot to create this beautiful thing. Yeah, there is. There's a lot, there's a lot that goes into every bottle. Um, absolutely. I love it. Um, so now that we're talking about rum, are you going to take off maybe into another type of spirit, or is it always going to stay rum? Or are you so bring originally when I when I 
decided to start this distilling company. The reason I named it a distilling company and not a rum distillery is because I, I do I do want to make other products in the future. Um, yeah, I left it open. Now that I've started making rum, uh, you know, I'm a bigger rum fan than I ever have been. Um, even though I've, I've always been a big rum fan, well, as long as I've been drinking. Uh, but uh, rum is really kind of become our thing and, and so we may end up just staying a rum distillery I don't know okay. um, we'll see and so this is good this is so mundane but I'll say it every time I've gone to like a wedding or a banquet like oh rum and coke rum and coke yeah so throw something out there I know we've got some recipes that you emailed me but yeah what can you give us right now on the podcast that could be a little bit different than rum and coke? Yeah, that's so. I mean, the rum and coke, we, we have that on our menu at the tasting room because it's, it's hard to beat the simplicity of that. Yeah. We call it instead of a Cuba Libre, we call it the Houston Libre. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's that's you know, that's your textbook rum cocktail. Um, so probably the easiest cocktail that we serve that's kind of become our trademark cocktail is we take our spice drum, which has five all natural spices, we okay. use whole bean, vanilla allspice, locally roasted coffee, caramel, and oak. And those all go into the spice drum. So the spice drum by itself contains all these contents or all these right. flavor compounds. And then we mix that with a with a sweet ginger beer. Uh, a lot of ginger beers have like a, a sharp bite to them. Like uh, I don't want to mention any brand names because yeah, they're not paying me for it. But a, sweeter, a sweet, more sweet forward ginger beer. And when you mix that sweet forward ginger beer with our spiced rum, we call it the Dank and Stormy, which is our our spin on the dark and stormy and dark and stormy is actually trademarked oh, okay. by a by another distillery okay. so we can't call it that but that's okay because uh, the dank and stormy has kind of become our signature you cocktail had those last year, yeah right? we always have that that's like always on our menu oh my God, I must have five of those. yeah they're they're really good it's my it's my favorite cocktail and it's and it's two ingredients it's it's spiced rum and ginger beer no so it's hard to be and you know ratios to taste jog uh, my memory because i had five of them did you squeeze lime in them? I can't remember. Uh, we normally just put a lime on on as a garnish. It was a garnish. Uh, we put it like a, and that way if somebody want, you know you want to squeeze the lime into it. So the, I would consider that a third ingredient. And yes, that I do recommend yeah, that, yeah. but it's not necessary. Okay. Um, and then what's another more simpler? Uh, so a, another uh, cocktail that we have uh, for our uh, silver rum uh, is that's rum. yeah. Uh, so that's our spice rum, and that's probably our, our most uh, regular selling. Uh, cocktail now our silver rum is very versatile uh there's two that i'd, I'd like to mention yeah. uh the first one being our, our rum punch you know this holiday season people are making punch bowls at your parties mm-hmm. um so this is super easy you need equal parts of orange juice okay oj cranberry juice <gasps> okay. okay and pineapple juice so you know at every grocery store is going to have those three ingredients oh uh, you take that and, and equal so parts. equal parts and with equal part of rum um, okay. So all four equal parts of our silver rum, all four of those, and you got an awesome holiday punch that everybody's going to love. Uh, and to make it a little bit more holiday-like, I recommend sprinkling a little nutmeg on top. Yeah. Okay, um, but if you don't like nutmeg, don't, don't sprinkle okay. it on there. Have you ever heard of trash can punch? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just popped in my head from high school and college. Yeah. Yeah, a punch is just, you know, like fruit juices mixed with, usually with rum, um, uh, but... but, uh, I I wouldn't have ever thought about mixing the cranberry with the pineapple. Yeah, they work, all three of those work really well together. Okay. Um, And that's just like our our standard rum punch. And then we have another cocktail that has, we brought out this spring when it started warming up in 2000, this year, I guess it's 2019 still. Mm -hmm. Um, We we needed a, a spring fun cocktail and we've 
This cocktail has been so popular the tasting room, it's almost taken over the Dank and Stormy as our top selling cocktail. So, uh -oh. uh, so what you're gonna need is a half an ounce of grenadine, uh, one ounce of pineapple juice, uh, and then uh, two ounces of our rum, and then you'll put that in your glass over ice, and then just top with ginger ale, uh, give it a little stir, and we call this our rummy bear. Um, uh Okay, that one we're gonna post. Okay, so the rummy bear. I think yeah. you should send me that, I think. So I'm gonna definitely post that. That's not so grenadine, pineapple, juice, and And ginger ale. Ginger ale. Yeah. Ginger. Ooh. Over ice. Yeah. Ginger ale, not ginger beer. The ginger beer goes in the dank and stormy. Well, you're in the one who's ginger that. ginger ale, it's a little lighter. Love it. Um, yeah, just over ice and, and that's it's super uh, fruity and sweet. If you like a sweet cocktail, that's going to be the one to go to go for. Like like a girl cocktail. I I mean it's, it, I guess you could say it's, I I drink the shit you out drink, of them so. You're like, oh, it's a girl yeah, cocktail. I love, I love them. it. Yeah. Um I know for sure th this one I remember now with the ginger beer cuz and I haven't had that since last year so I've been missing out and you have to open that up. Um where can people find you? As far as like you're on Instagram. Yeah, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, and website. Yeah, our website. Um, we're in the middle of rebuilding our website to go along with our new branding. Um, so the mobile version of our website may be a little uh, funky, but yeah, please visit us. Our website, gratefullyindistilling.com. Maybe people are thinking, can people rent out your spots? If you have Absolutely. An area to do like a. I don't know, some type of... We do private events all the time. Um, it's just by appointment. It's always a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, usually, you know, if you bring enough people and they're buying cocktails, it's it's a lot of times we don't even charge to, to use our space. Um, it just depends on it's case-by-case. Case. Okay. Um, but yeah, thing. you can send me an email or, or, or send me so a text or call events, me. Okay. And we can, um, we can get a book. And then you've got the tours. Mm -hmm. And then you've got this weekend, which is the Pina Colada. Yeah, it's our great Grateful Day and four-year anniversary party, Pina Colada party. Um, yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah. Well, so we'll have... Pina Colada won't be the... Well, that'll be our focus cocktail. We, we got a, a nice frozen drink machine that we're gonna have to make those pina coladas with um but we'll also be serving our dank and stormies and our houston libres for people that don't necessarily like pina coladas yeah who doesn't like pina coladas? Uh, i don't know i mean you, you're weird i'm sorry no i'm just kidding um so i have a couple of questions i'm gonna throw this you're not even gonna expect this it's, okay. a, it's a one or a two so queso or salsa salsa okay flour or corn tortillas yeah oh i probably go with corn. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then he's like, hmm. Oh, what was the other one I had? Oh, refried beans or ch a charro, which is the... Oh, probably charro. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then sock shoe or sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Oh, like how I put my shoes on? Yeah. I'm really sock, making him socks first, then shoes. So you put both socks on? Yes. You don't do sock shoes, sock shoes. No. I do sock shoes. Sock shoes. Well, because normally I wear my socks around. Well, I'm going to be barefoot in here, but yeah, I go places. Okay. No, I put then, both socks on, then both shoes on. Yeah. Okay. And then what was the other one? Somebody else. Is that weird? I don't know. I don't know. Means something. Now, yeah. gonna, now you're going to be thinking about it. Yeah. Put your shoe on. Damn it, Sharon asked me about that. Oh, uh, toothpaste. Do you wet the brush or do you let the water run the whole time? Because no, uh, toothpaste on a dry brush, then run it under the sink for a half second okay. and, and then brush away okay. but i don't leave the water running okay. i remember that commercial where they they drain the and the fish runs out of water no. it was like a public service announcement oh no uh the more you know you know it's like some kid brushing his teeth with the water running and this oh, and it yes. shows like this pond getting drained right next to the house and then the fish <laughs> the fish is all mad at him because he <laughs> no more water so i have this funny story and my older son when he was little like in third grade or fourth grade his auntie gave him a little tree frog didn't ask permission, just gave him this tree frog. She's from Austin, so she's 
tree frog. Well, he would take a little tree frog and put him on the sink, and he'd brush his teeth. And he would talk to him, you nice. know, and brush his teeth, and put him back in the little aquarium, go to school. Well, the frog was dead Ooh. for like a week. So he didn't know. He's like, the frog's so friendly. Let's me pick him up. <laughs> so I felt so bad because I went over there, and he had him on the sink, and he forgot to put him back in the aquarium. And I went over there, and I just kind of, and he fell over and I was like oh, oh my no. god what do I how do I tell my son so I just that's a fun conversation it was we yeah. laugh to this day now but yeah so I was thinking about the fish with the water maybe he shouldn't have been taking the little frog out of the do not give your child a free a tree frog in third grade that just yeah. Yeah, was, give him a dog yeah, I don't know anything about <laughs> amphibians well, I am so thankful you came. Uh, short notice, kind of, because we just talked last yeah, week. Yeah, happy to be here. But I'm excited for you. I've been watching you. Um, may not say too much, but I'm really watching your success grow, and I'm just excited. So Thank we're going to promote next week. You guys have to show up. What time? Uh, it'll be 2 to 8 p.m. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we'll do probably the last call for cocktails, like 7.30. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, 2 to 8, we'll have the DJ going for at least you know, three or four hours of that. Time. Yeah. Uh, and the weather was great, so we're expecting good weather this time no rain uh yeah it's as of right now i mean you never know in houston but as of right now it looks like it's gonna be a pretty nice day 60 ish we've got a we got a really big tent we're renting so like even if it rains we'll be all right right well when people come in they come inside they can actually be in yeah you can be in the distillery you know normally whenever we do have one of these anniversary parties we have you know about 150 to 200 people throughout the whole day it was Um, great so we did get a big tent this time. That way, okay. there's there's you know room for people to sit out there and comfortably. And the tables, you have those tall like t- I remember the were they inside the round cocktail tables. Yeah, we've got a couple of those, and we'll have okay. a bunch, we'll have plenty of seating and tables and stuff. Okay. So here you go. Well, thank you for being on. Yeah, and uh, to be here. Come back. We'll have to come maybe come back in springtime or yeah, springtime next year if you have another another type of product coming out. Yeah, we'll have our gold coming back out about then. So that'll be perfect. Oh, really? Yeah. What's in there? Uh, so that's just our silver rum that's spent you know, time in a, in an oak barrel. Okay. Um, and as it sits in the barrel, oh, it absorbs. Speaking yeah. of barrels. So last time that you had your event, mm-hmm. something with the prohibition bo- uh, barrels. Yeah. Tell us about so that. it was the yeah. barrel number one. Uh, we, when we started in 2015, we filled 10, 10 gallon barrels. So a hundred gallons of rum, uh, went into barrels. Uh, and so, you know, we, when we started selling our gold rum, I would, take uh, each barrel and usually blend two to three of those barrels together and that was what would become our gold rum well i kept barrel number one aside and when barrel number one hit three years at our three-year anniversary um that went into bottles and that so that barrel was the very first yeah it was aged three years which is longer than most of our other gold rum was made so we did a single barrel release and it was super awesome because we were um i included a piece i after i drained the barrel and, and it was in bottles i uh, cut the barrel up and, and everybody that bought a bottle got a piece of the very first legal rum barrel in the city of Houston ever. So, I love that. Um, a lot of people, you know, keep, keep them as, you know, cause it's, that's the, that's the only first rum ever uh, in Houston, first legal rum ever in Houston. So, uh, it was kind of a, a cool thing to have. Um, I've, I've talked to people that, that finished the bottle before the end of the week. Though, so, <laughs> It's, right, yeah, it's, it was great rum, too. And then one thing, you know, I don't know why, but I think of Johnny Depp, Pirates of the Caribbean with rum. Why mm-hmm. is it Pirates and rum go together? Uh, it? It's just, they, yeah, it's the whole, yeah, the and Caribbean the and the, are, yeah, that's the, it's the really a very influential thing from, from the pirate era and the, you know, when people were on 
pirate boats and sailboats and, and stuff in the Caribbean. So Interesting. Um, wow. it only makes wow. sense. <laughs> well, thank you again for being here. Yeah, thank um, you. We're going to post everything where you can be found and definitely the event. And for those of you who are listening and your regulars, thanks for tuning in again. It's been about two weeks since I've done a podcast. I've been busy. Um, if you have any questions, you can reach me at middlefingerhappiness at gmail.com. And this is Sharon Zapata saying peace out. Have a great weekend. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, Ian. Thank you. <laughs>